I'm Justin Charity. I'm Kate Nibbs. Welcome to Damage Control on the Channel 33 Network, a podcast where we unpack what upsets, excites, and divides us in popular culture. Infowars about Infowars. Conspiracy theorist shock jock Alex Jones finally got sort of punished for spreading lies on the internet recently, and we're going to talk about whether it made a difference. But first... We're going to talk about another social media scandal because the internet is a garbage can full of demon waste. This week, Facebook announced that it had discovered evidence of quote unquote bad actors attempting to influence Americans online. What it actually found is a lot more complicated. We'll explore it all on this week's Damage Control. Okay, I know it's, like, at this point, extremely hard to keep track of all of Facebook scandals. I'm, like, continually very confused about it because it just—there's a new one all the time, and there's a new one this week. So Facebook announced it had removed pages and posts from what it referred to as bad actors. It didn't say Russians, but they kind of meant Russians, which we'll get to in a minute. And it removed— these pages and posts and accounts because it said that they were running what Facebook referred to as banned, coordinated, inauthentic behavior. So they they took down your your page? Shut up. I'm sorry to hear about it, but I didn't know we were doing a whole segment about them taking your Facebook page down. What's the point of having a podcast? (laughs) No, explain this. Explain a coordinated, inauthentic behavior. What is that? that? I know. So it's an extremely vague term. And that's deliberate because Facebook basically can't come out and say what it wants to say, which is that it took down, like, Russian trolls pages. What it can say is that it took down pages it thinks are up to no good. And so that's why it's using the phrase coordinated inauthentic behavior. But it's, why can't it say why can't it say the first thing you just said? I don't think they, taking they, down they don't the Russian have, trolls. They don't have hard proof. Okay. You know, they have some evidence that suggests— that these pages are somehow involved with Russian troll farms, but they don't have enough evidence to come right out and say it. So they're using this soft language. Right. Okay, and this sounds good. I mean, when I first read it, I was, like, pretty happy about the news because in 2016, Facebook didn't really catch on to the fact that Russian trolls and other foreign actors were, like, using Facebook to try to destroy American democracy. (laughs) People got really mad about it. And so the fact that Facebook was coming out and announcing that it had removed these posts. Proactive. Yeah, it seems like good news on the surface, right? So did you have a chance to look at Facebook's announcement about this? I did. Did you see what it actually removed? Because this is where things get a lot weirder. Yes. (laughs) So it removed content from four main pages. Uh, they were The pages were called Resistors. They were called Black Elevation, Aztlan Warriors, and then Mindful Being. It's very Facebook names for things, by the way, <laughs> especially Mindful Being. And Mindful Being is the weirdest one. Yeah. So, like, the best way I can describe Mindful Being to listeners is, like, if you are friends with any hippies on Facebook, like, any hippies at all. Like Kate Nibs. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> You'll be familiar with these memes. They're they're that sort of, like, new-agey art where there's 
There's like inspirational quotes. It does not seem like what you would think when you would think democracy destroying propaganda. Right. But so the reason why Facebook announced this, Sheryl Sandberg said there was a specific reason. It was because this Sunday there's going to be a white supremacist rally in Washington, D.C. Right. Called Unite the Right. It's going to be the sequel yeah. to the original Unite the Right rally, which was the rally in Charlottesville that obviously turned violent. Mm-hmm. Um, Very bad. Killed one bystander, injured people. Last year, Unite the Right 2, instead of being – well, I in, Unite the Right 2 wanted to do a coordinated one rally in Charlottesville, one rally on the National Mall in D.C., um, They've had some trouble and they've had a lot more. I mean, God, there were counter protests, obviously, at Unite the Right Charlottesville last year. Mm -hmm. But I think this year they faced a lot of super preemptive counter organizing from anti fascist protesters. Yes. And so the weird, complicated thing about this news is that the reason why Facebook went public with this is was not to stop this white supremacist rally. It was to stop counter-protests to the white supremacist rally. Right. Because they think that the counter-protests were being helped by, quote-unquote, bad actors. Right. Or that, isn't it that Facebook specifically suspected that the bad actors slash potential Russian trolls had infiltrated the Facebook organizers? Yes, and so they were saying, don't, this is fake, don't go to the counter-protest. Right. I wanted to talk to you about this because it, I think it's like a really clear example of how insanely messy, like the insane mess that Facebook has gotten itself into. Because it has to be on the lookout for bad actors, and <laughs> the well, result so far has been it telling people not to protest white supremacists. <laughs> right, right. Or it really, it feels like Facebook has to discern between foreign bad actors or like state, bad state actors mm-hmm. and just weird actors maybe in this sense because it's it's on the one hand, the counter-protest to Unite the Right to includes this suspected troll group. Yeah. On the other hand, Chelsea Manning is associated with the protest, like is one of the organizers. Yes, and I should with the I should say that like since this happened, a lot of you know, American, not Russian trolls, real people have come out and been like, "No, we are organizing counter protests because we don't believe in white supremacy." But right. Facebook, a lot of real people who, importantly, are protesting yeah. a rally of white supremacists. Yeah. Okay, and then this also got me thinking. They're saying that these trolls are trying to provoke discord amongst people in America. Like, is it always bad to have discord? Like, shouldn't we have counter-protests? It just seems like Facebook is now in this insanely complicated position where not only— not only does it have to moderate like fake news and hate speech and all this stuff, which we'll get to later, but now it is also staked out the position where it has to determine the intent of people who have divisive opinions to make sure that they're not secretly trying to destroy America from the outside. Right. Like now it has put itself in this position where it's not only policing the content, it's policing 
the thought behind the content. Right, right. It's like the 2016 election hacking mm-hmm. represented like the first couple levels of inception. And now <laughs> Facebook has dug itself to like the fifth level of inception. This is, I just, <laughs> just, it just seems like there's absolutely no way it could possibly succeed in what it's trying to do. Right. It's, it's standards seem so nebulous. It's, I mean, Facebook standards mm-hmm. seem so nebulous and they just don't seem to have n- nothing about Facebook in how seems like they, they're just equipped to have any sort of political discernment at this level. Like they can barely figure out how to moderate like relatively straightforward examples of hate speech or like yeah. prominent people. So the idea of Facebook being so internally complex that they can discern between these like Hippie more atomic, memes? yeah, these more atomic uh, populist examples of speech on its platform. It's just like I have zero, I have negative faith in Facebook to be able to have the level of discernment. Yeah. To and distinguish between Chelsea Manning and like a Russian bot. <laughs> Facebook has a track record of accidentally pulling down activist right, group right. content. And like a long history, right? Yeah, yeah. Like I was just looking at this thing from 2011 about how it had accidentally pulled down. Um, civil liberties groups like it has had problems with this for years and now that it's it's going a step further and trying to police the intentions of content I don't I just am worried that this is going to end up putting us in a situation where Facebook is now shutting down posts that are at all critical of America Uh, (laughs) right I mean I think I think part of the problem too is that if you I'll tell you what, I hate the Russia discourse so much because I think it's this weird, like, post-James Bond <laughs> discourse that just seems so kooky and, like, unrestrained sometimes. But it is genuinely hard to... It's it's hard to talk about Russia Gate, Yeah. And the Russian hacking and all of that stuff in a way that... If, if you try to describe what the Russian government was supposedly trying to accomplish by its interference in the like the US elections it, it it all sounds very nebulous right because it's sort of the broad strokes is is isn't just that oh you know the russian government was trying to influence the election against hillary clinton in 2016 i think the broader stroke is eh, regardless of outcomes the Russian government is trying to undermine America's own faith in its democratic processes and its democratic institutions, mm-hmm. right? And that's such a nebulous thing that when you hand that description to Facebook <laughs> and ask Facebook, because at that point you're not you're not telling Facebook we want you to we want you to hunt down these particular kinds of actors or like we want you to hunt down hackers. That seems like a simple mandate. Yeah, telling Facebook we want you to police the demoralization uh, of American (laughs) democracy is just such a broad thing. (laughs) Especially when apparently what they're doing to demoralize us is literally hippie memes. Right. I'm like, what? (laughs) And I don't mean to, like, I think that we should be taking the threat of Russian interference seriously, but I do think that perhaps a bigger threat than hippie memes is like them actually hacking into our um, voting machines or whatever like 
I just have no faith in in Facebook's ability to be nuanced about this at all. Right. And in and in fairness, mm-hmm. the reason that it's it's hard to muster up that faith is because this is the genuinely difficult level. This is the genuinely like so mumblecore hard. level of what is even happening with all of these like weird digital actors that it's just hard to know what to make of that. And the thing that make, I mean, that's a genuinely difficult issue. Mm -hmm. In our next segment, we're going to talk about the ways that the big social media platforms have a tough time exercising their best judgment, even in cases where the actors aren't these obscured bots, but are actually super prominent figures who are working with like hate speech and stuff that seems relatively easy to flag on these platforms, like, say, Alex Jones of InfoWars. If you looked at the amount of demonization attacks on InfoWars in the last 23 years, it starts out at a trickle and then just exponentially goes up by 2016 and then goes into stratospheric, straight-up convulsions in the last six months. And now, Tens of thousands of articles, news programs, local shows, fake letters to the editor, the entire leftist deep state, the entire foundation combine is launching attacks on InfoWars, the likes of which you only see before the country is tricked into invading some third world country. It's war level propaganda. But see... InfoWars has been chosen as the test case for everybody else's speech to be taken. Oh. Alex Jones is a very real, very prominent uh, right-wing troll, indisputably a troll. I don't even think he would dispute that. He wouldn't. and, And Alex Jones remains on Facebook. He remains on YouTube. Somehow remains on Spotify. The man's on Periscope. Uh, Alex Jones remains on all of these platforms, despite anyone's better judgment about incendiary political content (laughs) and misinformation in the digital age. So he has been punished a little bit recently, right? Yes. And we should talk about what he's been punished for. Yes. Because he's like, he's one of those people who you could put a rap sheet up, right? It's like, it's like (laughs) one of those old timey wanted posters and you just have all the charges and I mean, even just the past year, right? Like, Mm -hmm. he's peddled conspiracy theories about Seth Rich, who's, like, the murdered DNC staffer, who there's a whole, like, right-wing conspiracy thread around. Yes. And Sandy Hook. Yeah, he's he's, been... Right. He's he's not just peddled conspiracy theories about school shootings, especially Sandy Hook and especially um, the Parkland shooting, but he's antagonized... The families of survivors of yes. and, and survivors themselves. He's of, caused so much distress and, yeah. and harm, like real life harm. Like morally unambiguous. It's not like, oh, it's divisive. You're not mm-hmm. talking about like, this isn't stuff where we can agree to disagree. Like he's antagonized school shooting survivors. Yes. Right. And he's antagonized these people and he's peddled these conspiracy theories from the comfort of YouTube and Facebook. Here's the thing I have a hard time wrapping my head around with Alex Jones. Because Alex Alex Jones is in a sort of lineage, right? He's in a lineage of a sort of concern. He has this, like, bark to him. Mm-hmm. And his segments are, like, two hours long. He's just, like, this gruff guy who's in the lineage of, I would say, first Rush Limbaugh, right? Mm-hmm. Who's a radio guy. Um, and then Glenn Beck, 
Glenn Beck is sort of a crossover radio Fox News guy, right? Oh, yeah. But then you get to Alex Jones, and Alex Jones is a is an Austin radio guy. But I think in terms of his national his national base, he really is native to YouTube and other social media. That's where he blew up for sure. Yeah. Which and if was you, the internet. Right. And if yeah. you you know, he has like millions of subscribers. Like he his virality, his footprint in American political culture is on these platforms. And so Alex Jones is strange because he's this menace in American political culture. And yet, like without YouTube and without Facebook, Alex Jones virtually doesn't exist. And so to me, that creates this fascinating question of like, what what is what is <laughs> what is the duty of Facebook and YouTube as companies with regard to his content? Because again, it's like if you go to infowars.com, mm-hmm. right? Even on like it's not like if you go to infowars.com, there are the videos that you see on his YouTube page, but they're hosted natively to the webpage. Like, no, they all link out to YouTube. Like, all of that content is YouTube content, whether YouTube likes it or not. Yeah. But YouTube and Facebook, none of these places really want to deal with that. They want to sort of ride the line between, like, on the one hand, having content moderation policies, but on the other hand, pretending that this is a laissez-faire regime and they just have nothing, there's nothing they can do. They just, they have no choice but to host a guy who uses these platforms to harass the families of dead kids. Yeah, and it's really clear that they do have a choice. They just don't want to deal with it because, you know, they're they're very good at policing other types of content. Uh, if you put up a picture of, of someone naked on Facebook, it'll get taken down quickly. If you put up something that is infringing on copyright on YouTube, that, <laughs> yeah. that will get pulled down yeah. in a second. In light speed. Yeah. If, it, if it's copyright infringement, YouTube is on it. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think we both agree that they have a responsibility to to decide whether, like, they have the power to decide whether or not Alex Jones uses their platform. And they've chosen to allow him to use their platform. Except recently they've, They've been sort of inching towards punishing him. Can you? Well, let's so who? Yeah, who did what? Like, what did Facebook do to him? What did YouTube do to him? Well, there was there was like a weird semi transparency recently in the past couple of weeks. YouTube. Uh, let's start with YouTube because YouTube was the sort of first mover in this latest case. YouTube issued what is known as a strike against Alex. Jones like three accounts. strikes and you're out. Three strikes and you're out. Right. Like that's the policy. YouTube has a strikes policy. That applies to both copyright infringement and to like flagrant content okay. infringement. And the it's it's called a strikes policy. It's outlined on the website as you get three strikes of violating community guidelines. And if you get three strikes, you're out. But there there's the rub here, which is that you have to get the three strikes basically within six months of each other. And so what you have a lot of examples of in or what you have prominent examples of in the history of YouTube is people who get a lot of first strikes and maybe even second strikes. But it's so it's, it's a system that because it gives you the grace period of after a certain point, the strikes get erased from your record. Mm -hmm. You, it becomes this like bizarro Sisyphean feat of being 
an established bad actor on these platforms, but never getting banned because you space out all of your bad action, right? And mm-hmm. so it's why, for instance, like Alex Jones was getting flagged for like various school shooting conspiracy theories that that go against like YouTube's hateful uh, content policies and other policies. But the problem is like th- the the strikes aren't cumulative. Like in, at the end of the day, like you mostly just keep getting first strikes. Like that's that's the weird irony of YouTube is that as much as they have this three strikes policy, you can be an account with a million first strikes. And as long as they're all first strikes, you never get banned from YouTube. Um, and that, and it's, it's endlessly frustrating to me for this reason. I think right wing media, I think right wing activists have become exceptionally good at gaming, mm-hmm. with, like of any given platform, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, they've basically made a sport of gaming stuff like that, of gaming's porous content guidelines. So basically in six months from now, we can expect like Alex Jones to do something especially heinous. Right. <laughs> until no. Right. It's like these people, they, they're they good enough actors that they can ride up to the line and not get banned and get their strikes reset and then continue to like theorize that, you know, people are running child sex rings out of pizzerias, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and again, it's, I think in a sensible system, and I actually asked YouTube about this and they just ref- they just referred me back to the rules that are listed on the website. Mm-hmm. You'd think in a sensible system, at some point, someone with some level of adult judgment would enter the equation and they would look at Alex Jones. They'd look at the InfoWars account on YouTube and they say, hey, this guy is just a habitual line stepper. He makes content that's just not consistent with our policies. Yeah, maybe his bad actions are spread out enough that like technically he's not tripped up three strikes Mm -hmm. but also he's just a bad actor and he's he like he's defying the spirit of the law get him off the website you know what i mean like a sensible system i feel like that would happen for sure so that brings me to the question why isn't that happening i i feel like there's something here that's about tech companies specifically and the culture of these companies that makes them sort of incoherent when it comes to content moderation I mean, I think there's a few reasons. The first is that a lot of these companies, when they were younger, they would say, you know, we believe in free speech. You you can express yourself on here. And because Alex Jones is, the bad things he does involve speech. It's what he says. The tech companies are just weird about policing language. They're a lot weirder about policing language than they are about, like, policing images. Right. And then the other thing is that, like, for a long time, before, like, backlash started against him, like, Alex Jones is super popular on YouTube and Facebook. Um, So it was in their best interest to keep a popular account active, keep people engaged. Now, YouTube and Facebook are scared of backlash from a very small but very vocal minority of far right wing personalities so they're i think that's also why they're hesitant to police these conspiracy theorists can we talk about that word though backlash because i think mm-hmm. that's that's what i struggle with the most because i i theoretically understand it it's a, it's a it's a totally logical concern right if you ban popular 
right-wing YouTube broadcast personality Alex Jones, people will be mad. For sure. For sure. But what about people being mad about, like, it's offensive content. I get that people will be mad. I get that uh, an outsized portion of people will be mad because he's popular. But, like, what is the consequence? It's people will be mad and thus, like, what is the actual substantial thing that these platforms have to be afraid of apart from just people will be mad. Like, I'm mad all the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm mad about stuff these companies do all the time. I Isn't the know. upshot, though, that, like, people are mad at social media companies all the time, but also people are lazy and don't, don't actually do anything? Like, the point is, like, there's a, there's a right thing to do in the situation. The right thing will displease a lot of people. But what I'm trying to suss out is what, what is the thing, what is the other shoe that would drop that is this that is the specific thing that Twitter or YouTube or Facebook is afraid of. Like are they afraid people are gonna leave the service? I don't think that's true. No. I think everything in the history of social media platforms suggests that no one actually has the wherewithal to answer uh decisions that they don't like that the companies make by actually stopping using the service. Like people are suckers. People use social media despite themselves. I don't think there is an actual other shoe. I think especially with Facebook and YouTube, which is owned by Google, they have no meaningful competitors. Not only are people probably not going to leave them because they... Like Alex Jones hasn't left them. Yeah. Alex Jones has all these videos where he's complaining about even the prospect of being banned, but they're all YouTube videos. You know, if Alex Jones himself hasn't left YouTube, I don't know why anyone thinks that like, yeah, Milo Yiannopoulos is going to flee to Vimeo. Mm -hmm. Like I don't that's not a real thing. So that's why it seems so strange to me that these social media companies are afraid of anything or anyone. It is it is weird. I think their position is they come from a place where the less they do the better it is for them. For a long time they were laissez-faire because it was by far the easiest option. And so since they've been getting backlash about their content moderation, they've been stepping it up in response, but they're not, they're not trying to do more than they have to. I think, I think they're going to end up banning him. I do think that. Why? Because I think that people are just going to keep being pissed off about this and he's going to keep pumping out horrible content and eventually it's going to come to a head. So then... Short of backlash to the companies themselves, what do you think will happen? Because to me, that's, that's I mean, it's an interesting hypothetical, right? Like, let's say we wake up tomorrow morning and YouTube and Facebook have simultaneously banned Alex Jones. I'll be happy. <laughs> You'll be happy. <laughs> and it's, if you're, if you're a right-wing thinker, it's tempting to think this is where some vaguely Randian sort of mobilization happens and YouTube stakes or Alex Jones stakes out and he makes it, he recreates his own platform from mm -hmm. scratch. But like, that's not going to happen. Like, I just struggle to understand. Like, I, I actually think that if he got banned, it would mostly just decimate Alex Jones and it would, it would be, he'd be 18 months out from being as irrelevant as Glenn Beck is now. He would just be a guy with no platform and it would actually be a pretty storybook ending. <laughs> You know, but I think the the counter narrative is banning Alex Jones would turn him into this immortal martyr. Yeah, I think it would be still better for everyone if he was banned. Yeah, like it will incite some Alex Jones is a martyr for our, for free speech yeah. rhetoric. 
I don't think he would like completely lose his fan base, but I do think that like cutting off his main channels of distributing his w- horrible shit would be good for like the world. For sure. <laughs> for sure. I mean, I, it's weird because I actually think that we're at a late enough stage in mm-hmm. a lot of this post-digital right-wing agitation that they're the, – the, there are case studies, and the case studies are favorable to what we think should happen, which is that, like, the social media company should get over it and ban him. Like, yeah. I remember when everyone thought that booting Chuck Johnson from Twitter would turn him into, like, we don't, you know, if you strike me down, I'll become more powerful than you could ever imagine. Mm-hmm. And then Chuck Johnson got booted from Twitter, and then within, like, 12 months, everyone forgot who Chuck Johnson even is. He's that guy who shit on the floor, right? Yes, he's the redhead, guy, weird, goofy-looking <laughs> millennial conservative Allegedly. guy. And the same thing happened with Milo. It's mm-hmm. like once Milo got booted from like mainstream discourse, yeah, his brand just kind of tanked. Then he became irrelevant outside of like esoteric, probably like right wing organizing spaces. But he didn't have this outsized national public profile. Yeah, and then I also think because he was in a weakened position when the stuff came out about him making jokes about pedophilia, that was like a death blow for right. him. That wouldn't have been quite as destructive if he still had a more active fan base. Right. And well, but specifically if he had had a sturdier platform, platform. to manage the sort of damage control of that. So, it was important that those platforms undermine him yeah. and had started to kick him off so that when that happened, he couldn't mobilize yeah. a defense. So basically, like I I a hundred percent think that. They should ban Alex Jones. They have great, plenty of evidence to justify it. It seems like an open and shut case that if Facebook and Google, Google's YouTube wanted to do something good for the world, they would ban this man's platform, his ability. Okay, they haven't. And that's what makes me so worried about everything in general. Like with with what we were talking about earlier with them now, Facebook now trying to ban these meme groups that may or may not be linked to Russian trolls. Like, I just don't, if they can't do something so open and shut, I don't trust them with the nuanced stuff. Right. Yeah. It's like the stuff that I can't even think through (laughs) immediately like that. It's like, I can think through Alex Jones. They can't even do that. That seems like the, I mean... That's like pre-SAT. <laughs> and it, it, whereas like the, yeah, the troll farm stuff is AP yes. calculus too. <laughs> I'm not trusting you to AP calculus too when you couldn't do the pre-SAT. Yes. Like the, the, the stuff with the foreign, the bad actors is so much more complicated and will require like a much defter touch to, to figure out how to how to separate what's authentic and what's not authentic, et cetera. And then we have something like Alex Jones, and it's like, man, if you can't get this right, you got to go back. Zuckerberg needs to do a Billy Madison situation. Like, he got to go back to school. To prove to Dad that he's not a fool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it from us this week. I'm Facebook co-founder Justin Charity. I'm Kate Nibbs. My other Facebook co-founder. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's it from us, and you'll hear from us again in two weeks.